Hello, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Appreciate you joining me again on this Monday, the beginning of a new work week and our chapter day journey, which finds us in Revelation chapter 9. And it was verse 20, the very first part of that verse that uh, resonated with me this morning. It says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. Today's podcast is entitled, Gonna Change My Way of Thinking. I find it fascinating that our world continues to use Hitler and the Nazis as the ultimate metaphor for evil. Given their lust for power, their unbridled ambition, the atrocities they unleashed on this earth, it's an apt metaphor in many ways. I've heard it argued that true evil will not respond to anything but overpowering force. It could be argued that World War II is an example of that principle. We continue to hold Hitler and his Nazis as our favorite metaphor for evil. Of course, metaphor loses its power when it's applied loosely and flippantly in unwarranted situations. But hey, that's a different podcast for a different day. (laughs) Today's chapter describes the fifth and sixth trumpet judgments on earth that John saw in his vision in Revelation. The fifth is a plague of locusts, another plague that parallels the plagues on Egypt in the time of Moses. The locusts are described with monstrous imagery and led by the angel of the abyss, it says. The locusts torture earth's inhabitants until they beg to die. When the sixth angel sounds its trumpet, Four angels at the Euphrates River are loosed, along with a countless multitude of mounted troops with horses that spew fire, smoke, and sulfur. One-third of the Earth's inhabitants are killed. While this plague does not have a parallel to the ten plagues of Egypt, its imagery had a clear parallel to Roman citizens in the first century when it was written. The Parthian Empire was right across the Euphrates River to the east of the Roman Empire, and the Parthians were the only enemy that Roman legions could not defeat. And they knew it. Parthia's mounted archers could ride forward and shoot backward, and their unpredictable battle tactics made them one foe that Rome did not want to face. In fact, Romans feared the day that Parthia's mounted army attacked, and John's vision would have directly stirred these fears among the Roman citizens who read his visions. Along my spiritual journey, I've observed that, you know, it's easy to get lost in the minute details of apocalyptic literature. I recall one arrogant professor I once had who famously lectured on the end times and sold volumes of his recordings on the subject. And I remember some of his interpretations being so rooted in the geopolitical world of the Cold War that I highly doubt they would actually even make sense today. But instead of getting buried in the minutiae, I tend to pull back and try to see the big picture. See, I believe that the rather obvious parallels between the judgments of Revelation and the plagues of Egypt are more than just a coincidence. In the Exodus, God unleashes 10 plagues on Egypt in an effort to get a hard-hearted Pharaoh to repent and to free the Hebrews from slavery. In Revelation, 
God unleashes plagues on the earth in an effort to get hard-hearted humanity to repent and be free from the shackles of their sin. The hard-hearted Pharaoh refused to repent, and so does hard-hearted humanity in John's vision. And so I find my thoughts wandering back to the nature of evil and to history. In the Nuremberg trials and the flight of top Nazi officials to places like Argentina revealed just how unrepentant and hard-hearted were the individuals who unleashed those unspeakable atrocities on humanity for their own power in the midst of their own pride. Back to this day, the stories of powerful families and corporations who fueled the Nazi regime and remain unrepentant for their past continue to come out. So in the quiet, I find myself thinking about the simple act of repentance. It means a change of heart that leads to a change in direction. It means to spiritually stop, to turn, and to go the other way. As Bob Dylan sings it, going to change my way of thinking, make myself a different set of rules going to put my good foot forward, stop being influenced by fools. It's what Pharaoh refused to do. It's what Hitler's henchmen refused to do. It's what humanity refuses to do in the end times, according to today's chapter. And on this Monday morning, I once again find myself humbly admitting that like, I don't know what every one of John's visions means. I'm sorry that I can't reveal it to you with the <laughs> smug certainty like my old professor and the multi-cassette volumes he would be happy to sell you. Here's what I do know for certain. My heart, my thoughts, and my subsequent words and actions can easily become rooted in pride rather than humility, in selfishness rather than generosity, in anger rather than kindness, in vengeance rather than forgiveness, and in hatred rather than in love. And every day of this earthly journey is an opportunity for me to have the self-awareness to catch myself, to stop, and to choose to go in the opposite direction, to choose good rather than follow evil. I hope you have a great day today, my friend. We'll see you back here tomorrow.